So we've been in a series called uh, Images, and last week we talked about the shepherds and how they were the image of God's grace, and this week we're talking about Christmas lights and how they're the image of God's joy. How many of you love Christmas lights? I mean, go on little drives through neighborhoods to check them out. Christmas lights have come a long way over the years. Is that not right? I mean, back in the day, I think there's an image that I can throw up here. You know, we had single strands, you know, on homes. Um, there we go. That was the beginning of Christmas lights, right? Just, you just put them along the edge of a house. Go ahead and do the next slide. And then, and then that's kind of the classy look, you know, in the more expensive neighborhoods. All the houses have, like, regulations of what lights they can use. And they have music tuned in and all that good stuff. And then in the 80s, an amazing Christmas movie came out called Christmas Vacation. And that completely changed Christmas lights. Because then you got lights that look like this. Does that resemble a home in anybody's neighborhood? No, there's a couple. And then I think there's another one. Then there's those, those, that looks like, you know, Santa threw up lights, you know, on a home. And and I can't even imagine what an electric bill would look like for a house like this. I think there's one more. This is for the Scrooges. Meh. You know, meh, Christmas lights, meh, whatever. But Christmas lights have come a long way. This last week, I found the ultimate Christmas light house. And it just got me in the right spirit of what, the, the, what this coming um, next couple of weeks is all about. And can you just play that little video? I don't know if this gets you excited or not. Um, make sure there's sound. There was sound. Sarah, you might have to help him back there. You don't want to miss this. Meh. We'll just go back to meh for a second. Meh. Now we got it. Yes. Star Wars. Anybody excited? I'm telling you. That's what this... Now this isn't what this Christmas is all about, but next week is what next week is all about. If you have five minutes... It won't be a wasted five minutes of your life to find this video and watch all five minutes. We can't do it this morning, um, but it is... Oh, I'm sorry. I'm excited. I just like to talk. Isn't that beautiful? Nice and calm. Five all five, find all five minutes. You will absolutely love it. But that's what Christmas lights have developed to, or developed into over the years, or involved, you know, um, evolved. That's the word I was looking for. I just couldn't get it right. That's what they've evolved into over the last few years, and it makes you happy. We have some people wearing Christmas light necklaces. When service is over, you'll see a bunch of kids come out with Christmas lights. It's the image of His joy. And when you go back to the original Christmas story, 
the first Christmas light explosion took place. And if you have your notes inside your bulletin, I want you to follow along with me. If you didn't grab a bulletin, we might be able to pass a few out to you if there's any there in the back. Um, but this is what it says in uh, Luke chapter 2, 8 through 11. It says, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. It says, Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. It's the first Christmas light show. And it says, they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all the people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. That first light show came with a purpose to let people know that there's reason to find joy in life because there is a Savior, a Messiah, who's going to restore the world back to his proper order. And that was the original declaration. And that's what we have to celebrate today. Lights are the image of his joy. However, for some reason, the holidays can seem so joyless. Two weeks ago, Thanksgiving happened. And Thanksgiving is like the kickoff of Christmas, right? As soon as Thanksgiving is over, what is the very next day? Black Friday. Now, Black Friday, they call Black Friday for, I think, because it it starts companies in the black, right? You go and you shop and you spend all this money and now they have, they're built up and they're, you know, have, their books are in the black, the income is generating to the right direction. Or it's called Black Friday because it's soulless, heartless, terrible, nasty experience that you could not pay me enough to be a part of. There is no, there is no VCR DVD combo that I would ever, you could not save enough money to get me to go and stand in that mayhem. It's Black Friday, and it gets us off on the wrong foot. It just robs, if you've ever been out there and elbowing and the fights and the nastiness, it's like, this is not what Christmas is all about. And it gets us going in the wrong direction. And then we throw life on top of it. And just what people go through during the holidays. Maybe this holiday is is your first holiday without someone you love dearly. Maybe you've gone through a divorce or the kids are with so-and-so. Or or maybe it's, it's, it's just that season. I don't know if it's the weather change or outside or the shorter days or the darkness or whatever it is. But it's just a hard time for many people. Enjoy seems elusive. But it's supposed to be a season of joy. So how do we, in a season that seems so, joy seems so elusive, how do we get that joy back? And that's what we're going to talk about today. So if you follow along in your notes, here's just a few thoughts for you. How do you guard that joy? How do you get that joy back in a season that seems to steal your joy? And the first thing is this. You do it by protecting yourself. You do it by protecting yourself. Last year, um, we had uh, Haley's family come. Did they come to our place, or did we go see them? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, no, at, at Christmas. Yeah, we went, we went to see them in Winoka. And her nephew, Taden, um, was taking some backyard karate lessons from the girl next door. And man, yeah, it was sketchy, really sketchy. But he, uh, for Christmas, we got him um, a karate gi, you know, the little white suit with the white belt. And, man, he put that on, and he was doing a karate demonstration. He was doing all of his best punches and 
kicks and jump kicks and switch kicks and back kicks and, and, and sweat pouring down his face like me in the living room. And he was just going nuts. It was like a 20-minute like display of punches and kicks and flips and rolls. And, and it was crazy. And after he got done, I said, Tayden, have you learned any, learned any defense? He was like, defense? Who needs defense in karate? I mean, you're punching people, right? You don't need defense. That's a Tayden. Tayden, Tayden, Tayden. Hey, he's a young guy. What, how old was he last year? Eight years old. So I said, Tayden, Tayden, have you ever seen Karate Kid? And he was like, no, I've never, never seen I mean, he's eight years old. He, he doesn't know about Karate Kid. I, I mean, you know the movie Karate Kid. It's the most amazing movie made in the 80s, right? You know, I think it won Best Picture and Best Director and Best Actor and Best Supporting Actor and Best Chinese, you know, um, Fighter Instructor in Mr. Miyagi. I think it won all those Oscars. And... Um, and in the movie, Daniel LaRusso is getting beat up nonstop, you know, from these bullies at school, right? He talked to the wrong girl at the wrong time, and, you know, her boyfriend or ex-boyfriend is like, hey, that's my lady, and he just starts beating him up nonstop. And so he sees this, this old Chinese man, and he says, can you teach me karate? And he's like, yes, I'll teach you karate. And he says, the first thing I need you to do is to come out and wax my car. He's this long line of cars, and he says, and he says wax on, you know, everybody know it, wax on, wax off, right? And then he gets done, and he says, okay, now I need you to paint the house. No, paint the fence. And he's like, paint the fence, okay? And he says, you do paint the fence like this. You know, and he's like, paint on, up, down, up, down. You guys remember? And he gets on the ground, and he says, now I need you to sand the floors. And so he starts sanding the floors. Waxing is this way, and sanding is this way. And after, after he, like, completely renovates Mr. Miyagi's house, he's completely frustrated, you know, because he's still getting beat up all the time. And he says, Mr. Miyagi, I'm getting throttled. I need to learn how to fight. He says, I've been teaching you how to fight. He said, he said what? He said, he, said, uh, he said, you know, paint the fence. And he threw a punch and he blocked it. And he said, paint the fence. And he did a kick and he blocked it. You guys remember? And he said, wax on, wax off. And, you know, Danielson is doing all this. And, and he said, Danielson, you have to remember that sometimes a good defense is the best offense. And he was teaching Daniel that to really have a great offensive life is sometimes you have to learn how to protect yourself. And for us, as we're going into this holiday season, you have to learn how to protect yourself. And what do I mean by that? One, you protect yourself by setting limits. Oh, excuse me, the first one is learn to rest. You do it by learning to rest. When God was creating the earth, what did he do on the seventh day? He rested, right? He created all this stuff. Now, the question that I have for you is, why did God rest? Was he tired? No. I mean, he's the creator of all things. He doesn't get tired. You know, he, he's, he's there always. has all the energy, all the power, all, everything that he ever needs. He doesn't get tired. So why did he do it? He rested to enjoy his creation. And not only did he rest to enjoy his creation, but he rested to set an example for us on how we have to live our lives. Because not only did he do it, but then he made it a law. He said, on the seventh day, I want you to rest. And Jesus understood this. If you follow the life of Jesus, what do you see him doing over and over again throughout his life and ministry? Numerous places and numerous times it says that he often withdrew to a lonely place to rest. Because we need it. 
And many of us are going through this holiday season and it's absolutely crazy and frustrating and we're going from one place to another over and our lives look like this verse that I put in your notes, Job 9.25. It says, my days go by faster than a runner. They fly away without me seeing any joy. How many of you, does that describe your Christmas? It's like every day. It's like, where did it go? In my 15 years in youth ministry, one of the things that Haley and I disliked the most was the holiday season over the last couple of years. Because it, for us, our calendar looked ridiculous. When you throw in all the church parties and the youth parties and the Christmas light experiences we took kids on and all day movie and mall days. And, and then you threw on our personal parties and going to see people and traveling to see family. It was just one thing after another. And, and it was chaos and craziness. And it stole our joy. I'm actually kind of glad not to be in youth ministry this year. And I would say our pace was a little slow, but this remodel has kind of taken that away. Right, Dave? One day this will be done. So you have to learn to rest. You have to learn to pause. You have to learn to break. You have to learn to stop and breathe. Not only do you have to learn to rest, to protect yourself, you need to learn to set limits. I'm going to teach you something powerful today. It's hard, but it's powerful. I want you to look at your neighbor, and I want you to say this word after me. No. Now, try to say it with a smile on your face. Say, babe, honey, I love you. But no. There's only, there's only so much that you can do. There's only so many places that you can be. Let me tell you, it is okay to say no occasionally. Just not to me, Haley. No, I'm just kidding. You can even say it to me. It's okay to set no. We have to limit our lives. We have to set limits to our time. Time is the only thing that you only have a certain amount of commodity of. And then it's over. You only have so much time. You can't make more time. It's it. There's only so much stuff that can go on your calendar. So it's okay to look at someone and say, thanks for the invite, but I really need to spend time with my family that day. No. Or thank you. However, no, I need to rest. So learn to set limits to your time. Here's another thing, is learn to let set limits on your money. Happiest morning in, is Christmas morning, right? For the kids and us, we're opening presents and we're having a blast and papers flying everywhere and everybody's getting the new toys and the new stuff. And it's like, oh, this is amazing. It's the happiest day. And then the saddest day is January 14th when you get your first credit card bill after Christmas. And it's like depression sets in because we don't set limits with our money and we buy and we do stuff and then we get depressed and how could I do this? I spent too much. And we would be so much happier if we just said, you know what? There's a limit. This is it. I'm going to set a limit in life. I have to learn to say no. I have to learn to set limits. I was reading a study, not a study, but an illustration online about, about children. That if you put a children in a playground without a fence, they have a tendency to stay close to the middle. Because that's where the safety is. But if you put children in a playground with a fence, it gives them the freedom to experience the outside edges. And they go and they play and they run because they know the limits of where they are. Limits give us freedom. We think limits restrict us, but it doesn't. It says this is where you can go. Enjoy life to the fullest. 
So learn to set limits. Learn to rest. And here's the last thing about this idea of um, finding joy and protecting yourself is learn to be thankful. Learn to be thankful. Last year, Haley and I had a privilege of, of hosting some Ugandan children who are coming through Oklahoma City um, on a, you know, a, a worship and dance thing that they were performing in churches. And it was an absolutely amazing experience. We had three boys stay with us. And that whole week, I think it was five nights that they stayed with us that week, man, they were so thankful for all the little stuff that we did for them. We, we washed their laundry. And you would have thought that it was the first time they ever had their laundry washed. They were like, thank you, Auntie Jared. Or Auntie Jared. Auntie, <laughs> Auntie Haley. Thank you, Uncle Jared. They were so thankful. You know, we'd cook them dinner. We took them to ice cream. And, man, just to, them to be able to choose their own ice cream and sit down and, and say, hey, you can get whatever you want. Whatever we want. Whatever you want. Two scoops, three scoops. Get whatever you want. Their eyeballs just, thank you so much. Thank you, Uncle Jared. Thank you, Auntie Haley. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Before they left, um, we went through our house and we chose three little gifts to give them. One of them said they wanted to be an engineer. And so we gave them, I gave them like a little screwdriver set that I had. And, and I said, whatever you do, you know, don't take the bus apart while you're riding on it, you know, but this is for you. And another one wanted to be, you know, wanted to be a, a, a preacher, or, you know, a, a pastor. And so I gave them my Bible and another one. And you would have thought that, that, that I gave them, you know, gifts worth thousands of dollars because of just the joy that they had on their face. They were so thankful. There's something that happens to us when we're thankful. There's something that, 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 that creates that joy inside of us when we stop and appreciate the things that we have in life. So we learn to protect ourselves. The scripture I have in your notes, Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 29, has to do with this idea of learning to rest. Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. In a season that just wears you out, Jesus is just saying, pause, breathe, let me give you rest. So learn to protect yourself. Here's another quick thought for you, is that find joy in serving others. Find joy in serving others. You know, unfortunately, Christmas becomes a time that's all about me. You know, when I was a kid, I was the king of Santa's Christmas list. You know, my wish list I would pull out all the, you know, all the, the, the ads, you know, from the newspaper and I'd lay them out and I'd start going through them and writing down every gift that I wanted. I had two columns, you know, I had a call and I did multiple drafts just to get it right. You know, I had one column, the wish from Santa, and then I had another column, the wish from my parents, because both Santa and parents come on Christmas morning, right? And then I had it lined out and then, and then I would look at my list and then I would say, you know, I can, I can flesh this out a little bit better. So I'd start prioritizing them, you know, then the next draft would be in ranks of, of what I wanted. I had another draft of expense, you know, because the expensive stuff came from my parents, not from Santa, because they wanted to get the credit for it, you know, and Santa didn't really care. And so it was all about me, though, as a kid, right? I found a couple cute Santa letters online. It says, Dear Santa, you did not bring me anything good last year. You did not bring me anything good the year before that. This is your last chance. Signed, Alfred. (laughs) I just think what Alfred like has booby traps for Santa, you know. If Santa disappoints him one more time, he's got some booby traps. Here's another one. Dear Santa, there are three little boys that live live at our house. There's Jeffrey. He's two. There's David. He's four. And there's Norman. He's seven. Jeffrey's good some of the time. And David's good some of the time. But Norman is good all of the time. I'm Norman. And then he showed 
his Christmas list. It's all about me. It's all about what I want. It's all about, you know, what I can get. And, and you know what? The media advertisements, they play into that, right? They talk about just how all the commercials and just what you can get, you know, during this holiday season. And then that's what will make you happy. It fuels the fire. It encourages this behavior. But God says something different. He says, if you really, truly want to be happy, it's not about what you get, but it's about what you give to this world. Look at the scripture, Matthew 25, verse 40. It says, the king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Jesus is telling a parable, and he says, hey, when you did to the least, you've done them to me done them for God. Acts 20 verse 35 says, by everything I did, I showed you how you should work to help everyone who is weak. Remember that our Lord Jesus said, more blessings come from giving than from receiving. That verse might be worth repeating for all of us. Let's say that last part underlined one more time. More blessings come from giving than receiving. That's where you find joy in life. Not by what you get, by what you give. And here's the beautiful thing, is that it doesn't have to cost a lot of money to make someone feel special. Visit someone. Visit someone who's going through a difficult season in life. Just go to their home with a plate of cookies. Say, do you have a, you might want to call first, but just, just go and sit down and talk about life and put your arm around them and listen to what's going on in their lives. That is something amazing that you can do for a person. Write a handwritten note. Husbands, write a handwritten letter to your wife. That will make her feel special. Parents, write one to your kids. Tell them how special. Now, don't get, just get a card and sign the bottom and just hand it to them and say, hey, I think you're great. But write something special to your kids about who they are and, and who God created them to be and how much you love them and how special they are. Kids, teens, Write something to your parents. Being a parent's difficult, and it would be something and mean something special to them if you just write a handwritten note telling how much you appreciate them. Something small, costs you nothing, that makes all the difference in the world. Make a casserole or a dinner for someone who's going through something difficult. Or just be creative with a random act of kindness at Starbucks or McDonald's or your neighbor or wherever. Make your Christmas more than just about you. Look at the saying I put in the bottom of your notes. Joy does not come from getting all we can get from others, but in giving all we can give to others. So find joy in serving others. And here's the last thought, just real quickly. Find joy in Jesus. There's a woman who's doing her last minute shopping at a crowded mall, and man, she was just tired. She's tired of fighting the crowds. She was tired of the lines. She was tired of bumping into people and the elbows and the dirty looks. She was tired of it all. She was tired of searching for that gift that sold out like four days before. She just didn't know it. She was going every, she's just tired. She gets to an elevator and it opens up and it's packed. And everybody look at her, looks at her and just kind of groans, you know. And then they do the shuffle back, trying to make room for one more person. 
She has her arms full of gift, and as she takes the step forward, that gift falls off the top, and she doesn't even want to pick it up anymore. You know, she's at that point, she just starts kicking it into the elevator. Have you ever been there before? She's just doing the shuffle kick. She gets it in the elevator. She spins around, and she's staring at the two elevator doors as they shut. They said, whoever thought of this Christmas stuff needs to be arrested, strung up, and shot. And people around her just started grunting. Uh, Yeah, you bet. Get them. You know? And then in the back, someone said, they already did. They crucified him 2,000 years ago. And that's what Christmas is all about. We get lost in the stuff. We get lost in the presence. We get lost in the craziness. And it's not about that. It's about Jesus. That's what this holiday season is all about. Matthew one twenty three. It says, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Don't get lost in all the stuff of Christmas. Find joy in Jesus. How do we do it? We do it because Jesus is the promise of God's presence, period. Many people feel alone during the holidays, during Christmas. They can be surrounded by family and friends. Aloneness isn't about the number of people surrounding you but it's about what's happening inside of you. It's not about the number of people. Maybe you've gone through a divorce or lost a loved one. I can tell you something, that if you're a follower of Jesus, you are not alone, period. Zephaniah 3.17, my life verse says this. It says, the Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. His love, in his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. It says this mighty warrior who saves is with you, period, forever. And he's there with you in the craziness, in the chaos. John 15, 10 and 11 says, If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. If you follow Jesus, his joy will remain in you. You are never alone. Find joy in the fact that Jesus is the promise of God's presence. And then find joy because Jesus is the promise of God's grace. You see, Jesus came for a specific reason. It wasn't to check in on his creation and see how things were going. It wasn't to see how everyone was getting along and tell them some stories and preach a few sermons and have a good time hanging with his disciples. He came to give grace. He came to save souls. He came to ransom man from themselves and to, and to create a relationship between them and God. He came so that we could find love, experience joy, and eternal life with God to spend eternity in heaven. Look at the scripture, Psalms 32. It says, oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven. That's where joy comes from in finding grace, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt. We find joy in the grace of Jesus. A father, there was little Nicholas, was six years old, and they, 
in kindergarten and he was doing his winter pageant. And his dad couldn't come to his grand performance in the evening because he had to work. And so they would allow the parents to come during lunchtime when they were doing their practice, you know, their school assembly. And so he was there watching his son, you know, do his, um, do his winter pageant. And, uh, and you know how they would do it in elementary school. They had all the kindergartners, to, everybody separated by grade. And each grade had a little program. Some grades did poetry, and some grades read little stories, and some grades sang songs. And, and Nicholas, is six, six, um, or kindergarten, who's six years old, theirs, theirs was to sing the song Christmas Love. And, and each little kindergarten kid was lined up, and they had a sign. And, and they would say, C, you know, is for Christmas. And... And um, an H is for happy. And they went on and on with each letter spelling out Christmas love, singing the song. And they got to M in Christmas love. And the little girl with pigtails and she was, all the kids were decked out in sweaters and hats and elves and, you know, all that good stuff. She got to her grand moment and she held up her M and she had it flipped upside down and it was a W. And all the kids just busted out laughing. And all the older kids just thought it was hilarious. You know, the little girl messed up and everybody else got it right. But she was still just beaming away. And as the kids were snickering and the teachers were trying to quiet them, everything got dead still and quiet at the end of the song. Because it no longer spelled Christmas love. It had spelled Christ was love. And he was And he is. And he always will be. You see, Christmas love is, it's not about presents. And it's not about the tree and the lights and Santa. It's about the Christ, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, who is love, who was love, and who always will be love. And can I tell you, for some of us, the greatest gift we can receive this Christmas is the gift of a second chance. It's the gift of having your life made new, finding forgiveness in a risen Savior that was born on that first Christmas morning. That's what Christmas is all about. It's the presence of God's grace. In our response tonight, or this morning, Sarah, I want you to come up and band whoever's going to be participating. During this moment, I just want you to think about your holiday season and all that you have going on. And, and maybe, maybe this is an opportunity for you to find joy in Jesus. Maybe it's an opportunity for you to get that second chance. The last week, your last few months have been hard and terrible, and you just need that second chance in life. Maybe for some of you that you can find joy in, in serving others. You can find joy in not making this holiday season about you and about making it about somebody else and doing something kind and generous and and realizing that true joy is found and not in what we get, but in what we give. And maybe for some of you this Christmas season, you're going to find joy in just protecting yourself. It's just time to to say no to a few things and to slow down and to remember what, what Christmas is all about. Maybe that's... Maybe that's how you find joy this holiday. You find joy in Jesus. You find joy in others. And you find joy in yourself. And what's that spell? Joy. Jesus. Others. Yourself. Think about that this week. Father God, as we sing this song, 
as we worship you. Speak to our hearts. Let your Holy Spirit minister to us. God, some of us have been running like crazy the last few weeks, the last month, or the last year. <laughs> I know how it's, how it's felt for Haley and I. Um, and maybe these next couple of weeks, we need to find a time to slow down, to say no to a few things, and to really relax in you, to set some limits and some boundaries, and, and, and to find joy this holiday season. Father, maybe for some of us, we need to find joy in serving people, that we've become so egocentric in life all about us that we just need to stop and we need to see that we're truly happy when we're serving others the way you commanded us to and father some of us need to experience joy in jesus in what this christmas holiday is all about and that's you god your grace your mercy found in that little baby christ come to earth god wrapped in flesh and so god the saddest thing that could happen is for us to go through this holiday without experiencing you, Jesus. So this morning, as we we worship, as we sing, let your Holy Spirit speak to us. Teach us. Love us. Help us to find joy once again in you.